0: There's some pretty interesting news in the news today um i want to talk about that yeah i think it's they're huge stories uh not all of them have to do with the marine corps um one of them involves twitter of all things yeah the twitter So, we'll talk about that. Another one involves CNN. We'll talk about that. And the significance of those is dominant in the case of Twitter, influential certainly in the case of CNN, platforms that might be in for a change that would change the way information gets brought to a lot of people in the country. And uh, for a long time, I've I've talked about somebody needs to create a commercially viable and profitable news organization that focuses on news that would pull away, I think the vast majority of viewers from dare I say, Fox and CNN. People that are just looking for the news, but it's gotta be a profitable thing. And so we'll talk about that this morning. Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin was, uh, and the Secretary of State, were both in uh, Ukraine over the weekend. And the Secretary of Defense has made, um, he's made a lot of waves by echoing something I said a couple months ago in terms of what would my, strategic aim be in all of this. And mine was a, a diminished China and how would you achieve that? You would achieve that by diminishing Russia and tying China to Russia in the, on the world stage. And so um, interestingly enough, the Secretary of Defense came out and said as much in public so the so the, I think the interesting question is why would he say something like that in public? That could well be the administration's aim, but you know, but saying it in public is a different thing. Why? Who's the audience for that? So we'll talk about that, and uh, and then <clears throat> relative to the Marine Corps, uh, some pretty prominent people signed an article. talking about the plan to modernize the Marine Corps needs to be looked at now. Right? So it needs to be looked at and it needs to be looked at in a hurry. So, uh, General Krulak is one of the people that signed that. General Zinni is another person that signed that. And there's a third one. And, uh, I know that name should not escape me right now, but it, but it does. So I will make sure that um, I have my shit together when I talk about the article. Obviously, um, so that uh, that discussion about Marine Corps um, force design twenty thirty continues, and so, uh, but you know what I wanted to talk about. Um, at the start of the program, and I'll do that here in a second, um, is uh, over the weekend. Starting, well, starting last Thursday, I went to the funeral of my friend Kim, the, you know him as the chef, and uh, it was uh, it was held in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, his adopted home, and so uh, so I I'll, I'll tell you about that real quick, and then uh, and then again a busy news day and and. Really, um, it's been interesting. I mean, these last few years, watching the craziness in in the country, you know, media that doesn't come close to reporting the truth, and that and both sides, you know, of 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 the spectrum are guilty of it. Uh, it has become advocacy and for money, and so the fact that that may change is, I think, is historic and interesting. And good for the United States, good for the American people. You know, and, and so many of these things we've discussed over time here um, about how they impacted the democracy and the fact that you have a lot of people in this country that did not live through the 60s, did not live through the 70s, and are going to have to re experience these things in order to form real-world opinions because evidently sitting through history class is not enough. And for most of us, it is not. And so um, are those lessons about to be, about to come, you know, are about to be learned. So anyway, um, good morning to you on a Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. We're almost um, to the, what, we're almost to the end of April, if you can believe that. April 25th got to be kidding me um, so that uh, that's coming up so May and I was just in I just I just flew out of Minneapolis last night at midnight. was not a good event. plane leaves 45 minutes late. We get to Los Angeles International Airport. We then have to sit for about 20 minutes on the tarmac. Why? You're late. the plane's got a ramp right a gate it's supposed to go to that was planned what did somebody pull in and park in your spot they don't do that with plans but anyway nonetheless we sat there um but it was fun traveling with my daughters normally i travel alone so traveling with my daughters is fun like a little vacation um so that's cool and uh and then got home i don't know got to bed at about two in the morning. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, um, a sad occasion, but an awesome weekend uh, in Grand Forks, North Dakota, honoring uh, my friend Kim, the guy you know as the chef. So, uh, good Monday morning to you on the last Monday of, I think, is there another Monday? I don't think so. Hold on. Just in case you're confused like me, I will tell you. Next Monday will be May 2nd. So, on the last Monday of April, good morning to you. The United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. Just so you know, I hung out with the Marine Corps Band. Yeah. Yeah. I've done post-traumatic winning in Sousa Hall at Marine Barracks, Washington, D.C. Kaboom. Yeah. Think about that for a second. Stick stick that in your pipe and, and smoke it. Yeah. John Philip Sousa. For those of you who don't know, I learned this little piece of trivia. He gets out as a major or lieutenant colonel for the Marine Corps because he's the greatest band leader in the world. He years later he wants to come back in. He wants his pay to be a dollar. I think a dollar a month. And Marine Corps says, uh no, sorry we're not interested in a deal like that right like what the fuck (laughs) we need a name with that decision right a name we need to know who that was so good morning to you And uh, it's dedicated to a whole bunch of people I saw over the weekend who um, were a huge part of my life uh, when we lived in North Dakota. And uh, um, three of my kids were there, and uh, my oldest son, John, who worked for Kim for probably 10 years, started out as a dishwasher in his restaurant, learned a lot of things from Kim learned how to throw dice, learned how to drink, learned how to do something called bus-tub dining. Okay, so that's when you bust the table and there's food left on the plates and the food is really good. And they essentially have eaten a part of it. So Kim's technique was, and he he talked about this on the show, right? You take it and you cut the piece that's been nearly gnawed, right? Because you want to do this hygienically. You cut that piece off. All right. And then you go ahead and you consume it. So I heard I hear this phrase bus tub dining, and my oldest looks at me and says, What? I said, Hey, what is that? He goes, Huh? <laughs> I said, Do you do that? He goes, Come on, Dad, the food's too good. You can't throw it away. And besides you're hungry, you know, you're working your ass off waiting tables or busting. And all of a sudden they send back like oysters. Right or a piece of ribeye, right? And he goes, what are you gonna do? Throw in the garbage? Pfft, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. And I, I mentioned that as I as I spoke about Kim. So, but I stayed with a great friend of mine, Greg Lotus, and his family. Heather. Greg's been on the program before. Greg played in the NFL. Um, gets his gets his injures his knee. They operate. His knee gets infected. And um, he's not a high draft choice, he's a free agent, so he's nobody special. And when he complains about pain in his knee because his knee's infected, right? Uh, the doctor says, hey look, you're gonna have, you know, it's gonna, there's gonna be discomfort, just run along, right? And he does until he can't take it anymore, he's losing weight and uh, they operate to save his leg. He's walked with a cane since and he's just a great guy uh, his wife Heather about a little bit after that. So now he's unemployed. He can't he can't support his family. And uh, his wife develops breast cancer. And Greg and Heather are great people. Um, they have great kids. Um, and so stayed at his house. Got a chance to see friends of mine, Pierre and Linda Lamaru and their family. You might know their daughters are Olympic. Uh, gold medal winners, Jocelyn and Monique. I've known them since, since, since them since they were eight years old. Watch them. In the gold medal game against the Canadians, I can't rem- remember where. I don't know if it was Korea or someplace, but anyway, Monique scores the game-tying goal in the gold medal game, and Jocelyn wins the shootout with a move from hell. If you haven't seen it, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-E all right, gold medal shootout, and she hangs a move on on, on the Canadian goaltender that is sicker than hell. Uh, but got a chance to see them. They're both moms now. Uh, they've stopped playing competitive hockey, and and they're they're being moms and and um, really cool stuff. They have a foundation in the community that they use to do things like uh, make sure every kid can have a hot lunch uh, before school uh, buy stuff for teachers that, that need it. So anyway, got a chance to see them and then people I served with on the city council up there. And, uh, and so it's just a, uh, although it was a sad weekend, you know, we gathered to honor Kim and tried to do that. Um, tried to do that. And, um, So this is dedicated to all those people who made my weekend, uh, the event, Kim's uh, service itself, um, something that I will certainly never forget, and a fitting tribute to a guy who is bigger than life itself, who touched so many people, who did what he was passionate about, who did it on his terms and had great love in his his life, and that is uh, Beth, his wife. So we should all be so fortunate to emulate that and to be able to do it for about 78 years. So this is dedicated to all of that. But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. See, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day, and so, our Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We gotta do what these Marines did here seventy five years ago. Persevere against difficult. Challenging conditions and odds, to win. You got to win. Somebody just asked me about how do you eulogize somebody. Um, I don't know. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I did. I could hear. I could hear it come in my head too. Before I got up, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Uh, currently, it is cloudy and 58 in Quantico, Virginia. Down the coast at Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point. Home of the 2nd Marine Air Wing. It is sunny and 77 already. Ooh. 29 Palms. Sunny and 66. California's got a little bit of a Santa Ana weather condition going on. second here. Camp Smith in Hawaii. I'll get there. It is dark, cloudy, and 70. On Okinawa, it's mostly cloudy, 76 right now. In Darwin. It's on the northern coast of Australia. It is dark, fair, and 81. Looking for high of 95 in Darwin today. In Manila, since I'm down there. How do you spell Manila? M-I-N-I-L-L-A? Why am I being stupid this morning? I guess what? How about if I just put the Philippines? I could spell Philippines right, I know that. Philippine Embassy, New Delhi, Philippine Embassy, come on. How about I put M-A-N, space, Philippines? My God. I can't find a temperature no, it's M A N, I L A. Wow. I can only, I can only, my only excuse that I'll offer is I'm tired. Farron eighty four, looking for harm ninety two in the Philippines, right under dark skies right now, and at the home of All Marine Radio. I have a list that I go down normally, right? You know that. The list got obliterated somehow. Costa Mesa, California. That's where I'm at right now. It is sunny in 64. Looking for a high of 82 today. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful today. Um, 72 tomorrow. 67 on Wednesday. 67 on Thursday. And 70 on Friday. Um, Light bulb, if I didn't. What the hell? all right um email mac i've never done it but i'm curious how do you eulogize somebody i imagine it's a difficult task um i would tell you it's the most difficult speaking task that you will engage in in a lifetime and the reason i say that is um as you attempt to speak the videos begin to roll in your head and and it's it's very distracting and so I think, you know, if you're trying to honor somebody and you're at, you're chosen to speak and I've done it four times in my life, I think, um, two, two, when I knew what I was doing, um, so what do you, first of all, what do you say? You have to honor their spirit and you have to truly walk up there to celebrate their life. And that's not easy to do. I think, uh, unfortunately, I've done too much death in my life already at the young age of 64. But I've learned this. If all you're left with is the grief and the residue of death, that really sucks. So you truly have to do. Go celebrate their life and ha- lives and how fortunate you are to you know, have crossed paths with that person and had, have them in your life. So that's the first thing. And so the question is, okay, what do you say? How do you do that? Well, you got to talk about them, the whole person, right? And in particular, how they touched your life. That's what I focused on. And so I talked about how many different ways that I knew the guy you knew as the chef, how many different ways I knew him. I knew him as my friend. I meet him when I went to go borrow a screwdriver. <laughs> and he had his restaurant a couple of doors down from where I was working. And his door was open because he was making bread in the morning. And I walked in, and I yelled, yo, anybody here? I hear this, yeah, man. <clears throat> I, and this head comes around the corner. I said, hey, man, my name is Mike. I said, I, I work a few doors down. I said, I, I'm looking for a Phillips screwdriver to fix my vacuum. Did you got one? He goes, yeah, I got one. It's right here someplace." And so we're shooting the shit as he goes and gets the screwdriver. And that's how I meet Kim. Uh, we cross paths again doing radio. As I, as I got started doing radio, The guy I was replacing used to have Kim on a couple times a year to talk food. Well, I'm there for one of the events, and he and I kind of hit it off, and I asked him, I said, would you come on every Friday so I don't have to talk about serious stuff? He said, well, if I, as long as I have time, I will. I said, all right, and he loved it. So I I knew him in that way. Um, And then, again, as we became very good friends, he's Colleen's godfather, as I said, John and Patrick's first jobs were as dishwashers for Kim, right? So he's an uncle figure to both my sons and a cool, cool uncle, right? And then I knew him. um, The city of Grand Forks uh, in 1997 had a flood that decimated the city. And the downtown was wiped out. So, So the city has a river that runs through it. I know there's a movie named after it. I know, I know. Anyway, but there's – so on the North Dakota side is Grand Forks, North Dakota. On the Minnesota side is East Grand Forks, Minnesota. There's a Cabela's there for all you hunters if you want to go to one. But anyway, it was a boot, big bootlegging city too, the Minnesota side was. They still have tunnels underground and shit like that. From They would run booze out of Canada down into East Grand Forks, Minnesota, blah, 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 blah. So anyway – um, the, a dike breaks when, you know, the, the rivers are swollen and they stay swollen because of rainstorms and then snowstorms and rainstorms. <clears throat> and then the temperature is warm enough where it's not freezing the water as it rushes to the river because you're into the spring, into April. right? I think April 17th was the day that the dike broke. And so the, the dike breaks and the city's flooded. A fire starts downtown. And as they try to, they believe it's an electrical fire and they're afraid that it, it this same thing will happen to other buildings, the city shuts down the power. That then shuts the power off to all the sump pumps that are keeping the waters water out of basements around the city. And all these homes begin to flood that are both n- not only near downtown, but away from downtown. And so you have this disaster that befalls the city. And the downtown is decimated. Small Midwestern, upper Midwestern town. And uh, the city council, the president of the city council, a um, guy named Hal Gershman. Well, actually, I don't think Hal was on the city council at the time, but <clears throat> he's a huge figure uh, in the businessman in the city. And he gets elected, and they decide that Kim's Restaurant is going to be the focal point of what brings people back downtown. And they're going to rebuild downtown around Kim's Restaurant, Sanders, 1907. And they do. So I knew him as a, as a, as a businessman and, and a guy who helped bring the downtown of the city back after a terrible catastrophe. So how do you encapsulate all of that into you know a few minutes? I don't know, but you do. you know. And you try to be funny, and you try to paint the picture. And I could hear him in my head saying, if you are too serious, I swear to God, I'll haunt you for the rest of your life. So I knew it couldn't be. I knew it had to be funny because if it was going to be about Kim, for those of you that listen to him, um, it, it would be fun because m- more than anything else, he was fun. So anyway, um, so that's, how I would tell you, that's what, that's, that's, that's the, that's the art form. That's what you got to be able to do. And again, there should be humor so that you remind people of the essence of that person. So that's what I try to do. So, but I think I did okay. I think I did okay. The, um, <clears throat> The next thing I want to talk about is um I'm I'm gonna read you a couple of headlines. Uh this one from just um nine minutes ago. Twitter set to accept Elon Musk's forty-three billion dollar offer. This is from Reuters. Twitter may announce the fifty-four point two per share deal later today, once its board has met to recommend the transaction to Twitter shareholders the source said, adding, it is still possible the deal could collapse at the last minute. Musk, the world's richest person, according to Forbes, is negotiating to buy Twitter in a personal capacity, and Tesla is not involved in the deal. Twitter has not been able to secure, so far, a go-shop provision Under its agreement with Musk that would allow it to solicit other bids once the deal is signed, the source said. Still, Twitter would be allowed to accept an offer from another party by paying Musk a breakup fee, according to the source. The sources requested anonymity because the matter is confidential. Twitter shares were up 4.5% in pre-market trading to $51.15. Musk, who is a prolific Twitter user, said it needs to be taken private to grow and become a genuine platform for free speech. So, you know, Twitter is, you know, probably the dominant, you know, place, you know, to communicate in the world right now. So it is, it will change. Elon Musk is not Jack Dorsey. All right, so so think about that. So think about Twitter changing in a way that is, dare I say, more balanced. All right, here's another story. So CNN Plus got too late last week, right? If you're paying attention to the media, you saw that article, right? <clears throat> so now changes to CNN have been coming as um, they... They were, their company was bought, right? So let me read you something. The highest echelons of the U.S. media were once again in the spotlight this week after CNN abandoned a newly launched streaming service and the New York Times appointed a prominent Bostonian to lead it. So think about, think about this, right? The new owner of CNN is Warner Brothers Brothers Discovery. Itself the product of a $43 billion merger between AT&T and the Discovery Network decided a subscription-based streaming service was unfeasible. Only 100,000 users had signed up for it. So, again... Don't don't over-focus on that. Here's what you need to focus on. At an Oprah Winfrey-hosted company meeting on the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank, California last week, David Zaslav, chief executive and president of CNN's corporate parent, reportedly said he wanted CNN to focus on the facts and set itself apart from a cable news industry monopolized by adv- advocacy networks. Think about that. He wanted CNN to focus on the facts and set itself apart from a cable news industry monopolized by advocacy networks. Quote, if we get that, we can have a civilized society, Zaslav reportedly said. And without it, if it all becomes advocacy, we don't have a civilized society. Whoa, what are we talking about? People doing the right thing? Now, the question is, can they make it commercially viable? A board member, John Malone, has also spoken on the subject of media bias. And John Malone, right, who's, who's a board member of Discovery, uh, what is that, Time Warner? Warner Brothers Discovery, right? So Malone's a board member there. He's been saying this for the last probably six months. Quote, first said it, I think, on CNBC when they were talking about the merger. Quote, I would like to see CNN evolve back to the kind of journalism that it started with and actually have journalists, which would be unique and refreshing, right? He told that to CNBC in November. But here's, here's the interesting part. CNN is not alone in signaling that it is abandoning a kind of reporting that arguably came to pass in an effort to counter Fox News. The far more profitable right-wing outlet known for intense audience loyalty, addressing the bleed through of opinion into news has also been on the menu of the New York Times. and this is really, I think, fascinating, okay? Because the New York Times, right, the gray lady of the newspaper business, right but has been guilty of just of just shit, okay, in an effort to be something. Relative to an advocate for the left, and I would say, and I would dare say, unworthy of the history of the New York Times, because the truth actually does matter. And this week, the controlling Salzberger family tapped Joe Kahn, a former China correspondent, to be the new executive editor. Though top editors felt some stat. Those top editors felt by some staff to have overlooked limitations on which opinions were fit to publish have left the paper. H. G. E. Salzberger has said he believes, quote, in the principle of openness to a range of opinion. This week, a New York Times insider told New York Magazine, quote, there is a sense, and this makes a lot of people very happy, that Khan is much less willing to indulge the complaining and the constant cries of activism, that he is, and that he is somebody who has expressed little patience for the newsroom culture war eruptions that have been such a distraction for us, the New York Times, lately. Two weeks ago, the paper, paper's outgoing executive editor, Dean Baquet, issued a reset in the paper and reporters approached and the way their reporters approach Twitter. Long held up as having undue influence over some aspects of the Times editorial approach. And we've talked about this before. If it plays on Twitter, then we'll blow it up at the newspaper. Because, you know, it really is only about clicks, right? It's about digital imprints. And that's what that is. Peckay said, quote, we're not ordering anybody that they can't be on Twitter. But we also just want to help people modulate it. Like many news organizations, the New York Times is attempting to steer a path between those who would see the anti-democratic excesses of the right as reason to counter with great activism from the left and those who say news organizations should essentially be non-political. Quote, we won't be baited into becoming the opposition, Salzberger said in 2018. But I believe that's in fact what they did, right? And we won't be applauded into becoming the opposition. Jay Rosen, a, professional, a journalism professor at, the, at New York University, said a breakdown of political discourse had created a problem for all institutions to include the New York Times. Quote, They all have strategies, and those strategies go out of favor, so they change them. No one really knows what to do, but there are different ways of faking it. For the Times, Rosen said, carefully worded statements by Kahn and others were really saying, quote, there's pressure to become more liberal, and we're not going to do that. He went on. They think their critics and core readers want them to be pro-Joe Biden and overlook any faults he has. They're saying they're not going to be intimidated by the right wing or congratulated by the left wing into doing that anymore. In February, the Times launched a new advertising campaign. Quote, independent journalism for an independent life. To Rosen, it was the carefully calibrated articulation of a shift that cannot be fully articulated because they just don't want to come out and say it, because that would admit to their excesses to the left and that they're taxing back to the center. He says this, quote, This whole issue has been wrapped up in a bow of independence, he said. It's the language they're using to announce a shift without articulating any need for a shift. So um, those are, so in my opinion, you have the new york times cnn all looking inward and saying we're going to make course corrections and cnn not looking inward and doing it themselves the people that own cnn and again i think if you remember when cnn first started what was it it was, it was a news it was a news network cable news network and you turned it on and you watched news Um, I don't remember at the time if it was as full of commentary, let alone the type of commentary it has now. I don't remember them having that many news commentary shows. I remember if you wanted the news, right, you turned on the news, and that was CNN. I think when they then went to um, more commentaries, when they peeled off, what they call that, headline news? and so they separated the headline news that kind of ran on a 15 minute loop um from as they did more advocacy and i'm not sure what year that was so if you think about that elon musk w- is going to take twitter and change it certainly from jack dorsey's model and which to me has been you know one of the great advocates for the progressive movement in this country that the country's finally beginning to recover from. And then when you see this, I mean, imagine a place where you could go for the news. I would watch it. I mean, I'm a conservative. I don't think I have another news outlet other than Fox. I don't listen. I have the the video on. But I think this is really important because if you can get a profitable news organization that will report the facts, and think about think about some of these names. When I think of people I love to listen to that would talk about the news, and they were, and I'll give you the two people that, um, that I think were, to me, you know, Hall of Fame news journalists. One was Charles Krauthammer. You know, when you hear that thing, don't be afraid, you know, to say what you mean and say it honestly and bluntly, that's Charles Krauthammer that I play. And and Krauthammer was always, I mean, he was nobody's dancing puppet, you know? He's just brilliant guy and, you know, whose opinions were firmly anchored in the truth. The other guy, um, I would tell you, was Tim Russert, who I used to love to watch when he did what Meet the Press on NBC... He was great and he got after everybody and it was this brilliantly footnoted and hosted and Russert was great. He's a news guy. So anyway, I mean, imagine if somebody would create a product like that, right? And I would hope that would be tremendous. But again, I think again, what we've evolved to in this country is we can't even agree, agree on a set of facts to have a debate against. That's where we are right now. And I think that's why these these events that are happening today, um, that will happen this week, are hugely important. So we will see. We will see what happens. The um, kind of an ironic little story that I saw flying yesterday was China promotes coal in a setback for efforts to cut emissions, Right? All this bullshit that we deal with relative to climate change and, you know, know, the United States is a great Satan and all this other stuff. If China won't do it, if India won't do it, right, what the hell, right? China is promoting coal-fired power as the ruling Communist Party tries to revive a sluggish economy, prompting warnings Beijing is setting back efforts to cut climate change carbon emissions from the biggest global source. Official plans call for boosting coal production capacity by 300 million tons this year. According to news reports, that's equal to 7% of last year's output of 4.1 billion tons, which is an increase of 5.7% over 2020. China is one of the biggest investors in wind and solar, but jittery leaders called for more coal-fired power after economic growth plunged last year and shortages caused blackouts and factory shutdowns. Sounds like California. And again, and, and how does that happen? That happens because you embrace, right, a policy change and you don't have the infrastructure to support that. That's how that happens. You want to be greener than you can sustain and you get over your skis and then all of a sudden you get undue demand when either when it's really hot or really cold and you can't meet that demand so what do you have you have blackouts stupid stupid and and you know why it happens cuz politicians are dare I say gutless they pander they tell you what you want to hear so you will vote for them yeah so that in the news the the other opinion piece uh, appeared in the Washington Post. War is a dirty business. Will the Marine Corps be ready for the next one? Question mark. Now, I don't know that they wrote the headline. It is written by Charles Krulak, Jack Sheehan, and Anthony Zinni. And um, the top, the intro to who these people are, reads like this. Charles Krulak served as the thirty first Commandant of the Marine Corps. Jack Sheehan served as NATO's supreme allied commander at Atlantic, and Anthony Zinni is a former combatant commander of U.S. Central Command. All are retired Marine generals. So let me read you the first couple paragraphs and uh and and then I'll and I'll cut to the end and then I'll put the link in, in this uh, in this in this hour's podcast. First paragraph, it is a proven lesson of history that militaries must play a never-ending chess game of modernization and technological improvement. In that effort, the U.S. Marine Corps is undertaking a top-to-bottom restructuring called Force Design 2030. The move is well-intended, but we believe it is wrong. It will make the Marine Corps less capable of countering threats from unsettled and dangerous corners of the world. The core of the plan initiated in March of 2020 focuses on preparing the preparing the Marines to fight China in a potential Pacific region conflict that would involve the extensive use of emerging technology. To do so, the Corps plans to divest itself of a significant portion of its combat forces, including infantry battalions, tank units, fixed wing and rotary wing, aircraft squadrons, and logistic unit. It will replace them with small units designed to man a yet-to-be-determined line of island outposts in the Western Pacific, with the mission to detect, engage, and contain enemy naval forces as they sail past the islands. These units, in theory, would dominate the first battle of the next war by using sophisticated sensor-to-shooter capabilities, hypersonic weapons, and other high-tech goodies, warfare largely conducted by the push of a button. The plan reflects some mistaken notions about the future of war. Simply put, It is folly to bank on technology allowing us to fight our battles from a distance. War is inevitably a dirty business, and the war in Ukraine is a sample of what may we may encounter in conflicts to come. Technology has not obviated the need for sustained artillery capabilities and armor. So I won't read the whole thing. So that's how it starts. Here's how it ends. Marines thrive on innovation. It is in our DNA. From the development of landing craft before World War II to, to the use of aircraft for close air support to establishing the concept of vertical envelopment to the use of the Harrier and the development of the V-22, the Marine Corps has always been at the forefront of fighting wars in new ways. Getting small groups of Marines on islands to wait for enemy ships to sail past is not innovation. Cutting significant combat capabilities that may be needed in all theaters to afford questionable capabilities in one theater is not innovation. The stakes of this gamble require not only serious study and wargaming both within and without the Marine Corps, but they beg closer scrutiny by the combatant commanders, the Department of Defense, and Congress. The national security ramifications of reducing the capabilities of our nation's most ready, agile, and flexible force are seismic. So that is in the news right um all those gentlemen uh prominent in this discussion the um yeah, how about that so that that discussion continues, and let me just uh go through. The normal news right now. Top story in, early, in, in the early bird. I want to talk about um, the Secretary of Defense and his comments. Top headline in Stars and Stripes is Russia hits rail fuel facilities in attacks deep in the Ukraine. I was just looking at something. Top story in the Wall Street Journal is Musk's deal for Twitter could be finalized today. That's interesting, eh? Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, next headline, U.S. wants to see Russia weaken, says Defense Secretary Austin. So now, here's my question, and I'll see if I can get the Mensa Brothers on tomorrow to talk about this. Who's the audience for this? Why is he saying this? All right. so much like selling aircraft to, the, to Ukraine, why do you have to do it in public? Why don't you just do it on the down low? I mean, honestly, you don't need to do that. You don't need to, to announce it to the world. Just do it. So, uh, message sending. Why are, you, why are you sending this message in public? Who's the audience? Um, so this is an article in the Wall Street Journal written by William Maudlin and Thomas Grove. Maudlin in Poland, Grove in Lviv. U.S. wants to see Russian weakened, says the Secretary of Defense after a Ukraine visit. Subheadline Ukraine is succeeding, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says after a joint trip, trip to, Ky- to Kiev, Moscow strikes Ukrainian railway hubs as fuel shortage facilities burn in Russia. As fuel storage facilities burn in Russia. So the article says this U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said Russia's military capabilities should be degraded after he and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken met with Ukraine's President Zelensky and announced more U.S. military aid to the country. We want to see Russia weakened. So okay, so again, why is he saying this in public? Nobody said this heretofore. So why is he saying this now? Interesting, right? We want to see Russia weakened to the degree that it can't do the kinds of things it has done in invading Ukraine. Russia is failing. Ukraine is succeeding. In an attempt to stem, stem the flow of heavy weapons from the U.S. and other allies to the front lines in Ukraine, Russia on Monday hit several Ukrainian rail hubs with missile strikes, severely disrupting rail traffic. Meanwhile, Large fires broke out at fuel storage facilities in the Russian region of Bryansk, some 60 miles from the border with Ukraine, as well as at a nearby military fuel depot. The Russian state Russian state media said. So now the war goes into Russia. That's interesting little development, right? Russian authorities said they were investigating the fires at the facilities, which Russian state media said altogether contained about 15,000 tons of fuel. The blazes erupted less than a month after Russia said Ukrainian helicopters launched a strike that caused a fire at an oil depot in Russia's Belgorod region, also bordering the Ukraine. Russian state media aired security camera footage on Monday that appeared to show a large explosion followed by a fire. Russian missile strikes hit infrastructure in the central Ukrainian regions of Ribny. Local officials said they followed other missile attacks late Sunday. Let me just tell you this. I mean, you can look it up historically. If you want to use indirect fire against artillery, against railways, good luck. Right? The real key prize is um, bridges. Okay? Tough to take down bridges with um, indirect fire. You'd have to expend a lot of it on it. So, now, does this become a proxy war? United States fighting Russia through Ukraine. And Russia's got a problem. Their military has not performed well to date. The governor of Ukraine's central province of Venestia, again, these are all if you st- if you read about the Russian front, these are all the names that, that, that are <laughs> were part of it. Uh, in World War II. Said early Monday that Russian missile attacks had hit critical infrastructure in the region and there were people dead and injured, though he provided no details. The strikes came hours after Blinken and Austin told Zelensky that Washington would reopen its embassy in Kiev and provide Ukraine with 322 million in foreign military assistance to allow Kiev to buy needed weapons. Russian ambassador to the United States, Anatoly Antonov, demanded a diplomatic note demanded in a diplomatic note that washington stop supplying weapons to ukraine according to the russian news agency ria this is a quote from secretary of defense we believe that they can win if they have the right equipment the right support secretary austin said adding of zelensky While he's grateful for all the things we've done, he's also focused on what he thinks he'll need next in order to be successful. Besides artillery, Ukraine has expressed an interest in getting more tanks. What? I thought the tank was was a history lesson. Evidently not to Mr. Zelensky and his commanders who've done okay. So anyway, that in the news. But again, why is that message of a... Of a, d- of a diminished Russia being channeled now in public. And this is a little bit of analysis of it, right? Messrs, Austin, and Blinken held Ukraine's success in fending off Russia's initial attack on Kyiv and maintaining its sovereignty. A senior State Department official briefed reporters on the flight out of Poland about many aspects of Ukraine's military campaign discussed with Mr. Zelensky, including Russia's depleted force and inability to, vote, to devote many more resources to the war without compromising its stance against NATO and even Finland, which, coin, which could join the alliance. Still, U.S. officials said they recognize that Russian President Vladimir Putin could choose to escalate the war, including possibly with weapons of mass destruction. Quote, I suspect that May is going to be very much in his mind and wanting to show something so we can fully anticipate that he's going to press the accelerator the best he can. We're trying to be prepared for everything. Having struck Odessa in recent days, the senior official said Mr. Putin is, quote, looking at the entire expanse of the Black Sea coastline. So anyway, um, again... Is the United States now signaling to Russia, you know you can't win? The question is, how far will you deplete yourself in this effort that is going to fail? And introducing um, introducing that subject to the open conversation. And the last thing it says in the article is this. One problem to be addressed at the gathering is Ukraine's need for what NATO considers to be non-standard ammunition and weapon systems, as well as discussions about whether the former Soviet country could shift to, could towards standard NATO equipment, the official said. For example, Howitzer's designed to fire 152-millimeter rounds can accommodate the 155-millimeter round that is NATO standard. The return of a U.S. diplomatic presence to Ukraine, which follows moves by the U.K., Italy, France, and other countries will help American and Ukrainian officials to coordinate aid and other efforts in person and to prepare for a future consular operation to address the needs of citizens of both countries, officials said. The defense official declined to say whether U.S. Marines would help guard the embassy in Kiev, saying the military would respond to the State Department's needs. Asked whether Increase U.S. focus on Ukraine risk increasing tensions with Russia. The U.S. official in Washington said Washington has no plans to involve its troops in the conflict. So, um, there you have it. So, very interesting, saying this stuff in public that hasn't been said so far. And I might add, validating my very, very insightful, right, prediction, of what ought to happen at the end of this. So interesting, interesting stuff. So that in the Wall Street Journal today. I'll put that link in there too. Um, let's see, anything else I think that Emmanuel Macron reelected? Well, in France. Um, next story, top headline in the New York Times is US says it wants to see Russian military weakened. Now again, um, it's not like Russia and Vladimir Putin won't respond to that. Subheadline American diplomats will return to Ukraine. Uh, An analysis piece, how Zelensky tamed Ukraine's fractious politics and stood up to Putin. So, that all in. The New York Times this morning. And he, evidently, Interesting stuff, the New York Times. The New York Times is what? Tacking back to center? That would be interesting, eh? Hmm. I think it would be. Uh, Top stories in the Washington Post. One, Blinken says Russia is failing to reach its goals of war. Next headline US wants Russian military weakened from invasion, Austin says. And again, what you're seeing is is brutal war where people people won't surrender. Right? People won't surrender. Maripol still has not surrendered. So Um, Top five, let's see what's next on my list. USNI News, top story in USNI News is from the Iceland foreign minister. Thank God we're part of NATO. Um, I believe, I mean, I've seen these stories while I was traveling, but I believe three sailors committed suicide aboard the George Washington last week. Headline: USS George Washington sailor found aboard the carrier died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Local officials say, according to a determination from the office of the chief medical examiner of Virginia, master-at-arms seaman recruit Xavier Hunter Mitchell Sandor died from a suicide by gunshot wound on April fifteenth. A spokesman for U.S. Fleet Forces Command would not confirm to USNI News any of the details from the medical examiner about the incident, citing several ongoing investigations into a string of suicides aboard the carrier. On Thursday, the Navy said Mitchell Sandor was found unresponsive on board the ship on April 15th say sailor was treated by the medical team on board before being transported to Riverside Regional Medical Center in Newport News, where the service member passed away. Sailors with the Masters at Arms rating act as military police aboard ships. Mitchell Sandor, who had enlisted in April, had attended the ratings A school in San Antonio before transferring to the carrier, according to the release bio. The Navy has experienced multiple suicides by on-duty armed sailors since December of 2019, according to USNI News records. Hmm. So that in the news from USNI News. Um, And here's another story that ran late last week. US, U.S. Navy ID's third USS George Washington sailor dead from suicide in a week. Investigation ordered into more deaths from last year. That in the news. Here's another story. Russian and Chinese ships are steaming near Japan as the carrier Lincoln operates near Korea. So there you go. Got that going for you. Top headline in Marine Corps Times is NCIS investigating deaths of three children at Camp Lejeune. That is in the news. Next story Fewer Marines in the Corps, but more pay for those who stay. I'll just read you a little bit of this. This is by Todd South. There will be fewer Marines in uniform by year's end under the current budget proposal, but they'll get paid more. The Marine Corps' end strength reduction continues at an annual pace as the service shrinks its personnel footprint to both pay for new warfighting technology and grow a more seasoned, experienced force. Quote, the reduction of active Marine Corps end strength is part of a larger reform, large reform initiatives aimed at internally generating resources through divestiture policies and business process improvements to reinvest in modernization and increase lethality, according to budget documents. Fiscal year 2022 enacted budget or what made it through Congress, held the Marine Corps at 178,500 active duty Marines, both officer enlisted. The 2023 proposed budget trims that figure down to 70, 177, so a loss of 1,500. The Marine Corps expects to shed a lot of weight in the middle ranks in the coming fiscal year. There will be 123 fewer captains, but 289 more first lieutenants in the officer ranks by the end of 2023. The enlisted side will see 780 fewer corporals, 1,422 fewer sergeants, and 283 less staff sergeants, and 5 less gunnery sergeants. And then, then they talk about pay. So, interesting. Um, top five stories in Early Bird here on this Monday morning. Yeah, I'm really interested, uh, first of all, to get uh, everybody's take on the letter by Generals Krulak, Sheehan, and Zinni. But also their take on, um, They're also their take on what the Secretary of Defense said and why, who the audience is for him to say that in, uh, in public. So we'll see if we can get those guys on tomorrow morning. Uh, top story military judge convicts Air Force General of 2018 sexual assault. Military military judge convicts Air Force General of 2018 sexual assault. Major General Bill Cooley was convicted of sexually assaulting his sister-in-law in in 2018, closing out Saturday the historic first full court-martial of an Air Force general. Colonel Christina Jimenez who is presiding over-the-bench trial, is expected to sentence the former Air Force Research Laboratory commander on Monday. He faces up to seven years in jail, dismissal from the Air Force, and withholding of pay-impossible, a spot on the National Sex Offender Database. After about five hours of deliberation on Friday and an overnight break, Jimenez, the Chief Circuit Military Judge with the Air Force Trial Judiciary, Western Circuit at Travis Air Force Base in California ruled Cooley is guilty of forcibly kissing the woman, the first specification in a single charge of abusive sexual contact. He is not guilty of two other specifications of groping her and moving her hand to touch his genitals over his clothes, she said. This is the first time a military court has issued a verdict in a case involving an Air Force general. It is also the first time sexual assault charge." assault charges have led to criminal prosecution for someone so high up in the chain of command. Quote, sometimes family members are the abusers. Cooley's sister-in-law said in a statement read by Ryan Gills, her pro bono victim's advocate after the verdict, the price of peace for my extended family was my silence. And that price was too high. Cooley pled not guilty to the abuse of sexual contact. So yeah, much in the news. Second story, dozens of Air Force and Space Force jobs now eligible for reenlistment bonus. Congratulations to those of you who will get that. The MQ-25 to c Navy Budget Justification Book Takeaways. The Navy's budget justification books are here and they contain previously unknown details of how the service wants to spend its money. So the MQ-25 is a refueler. So heretofore, we've launched other airplanes as refuelers. The Air Force has big ones. The Navy tends to, like for instance, for years, they use the A-6. The A-6 a bomber, but you can replace those bombs with fuel pods and they become refuelers. So that was a refueling package. Okay, so they now have a drone. The beauty of drones stay up longer, blah, 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 blah. No pilots up there. Use them as often as you can maintain them and get them up in the air. So that in the news today. Uh, Next, Navy Secretary pulls sexual harassment investigation authority from unit commanders. Commanding officers must now escalate sexual harassment reports to higher-level commanders. Unit commanders in the Navy and the Marine Corps will no longer have investigative authority over sexual harassment allegations, according to a department-wide message sent on Friday. That message sent by Secretary of the Navy, Carlos del Toro. Effective immediately, the message says, commanding officers must escalate complaints to the next higher-level commander who will then appoint an investigating officer. The investigator should be from outside the command and shall not be familiar with the subject or the complainant. The interim policy includes a carve-out to allow an investigator from within the same command to investigate. However, if that next-level commander determines an outside investigation would, quote, reasonably interfere with the command's ability to complete its mission, Such a carve-out requires a sign-off from at least a one-star admiral or general. The Navy did not issue a statement or a news release announcing the policy shift. On Friday, Lieutenant Commander Devin Arneson, a Navy spokesperson, confirmed the change was in effect across the Department of the Navy, including the Marine Corps. So my guess is if it occurs in your battalion, your job is to kick it to the regiment, and the regiment then becomes uh, responsible for investigating it. So that would be the process. You cannot investigate yourself. So. Uh, next, uh, this this issue of fuel tanks in Hawaii has been constantly in the press. This this from in the media. This is from the Associated Press. The U.S. government on Friday dropped its appeals of a Hawaii order requiring it to remove fuel from a massive military fuel storage facility that leaked petroleum into the Navy's water system at Pearl Harbor. Attorney for the U.S. Department of Defense notified the state and federal courts of its decisions. The move comes more than a month after Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said the military would permanently shut down the tanks and drain all of their fuel. Hmm. That is in the news. Now, let's see. Ukraine. I'll just read you some Ukraine headlines. Britain reveals Ukrainian soldiers were trained locally. Next headline. This is this is from Al Jazeera. I told you they have a great website relative to this. So I'll read you what their view of the latest updates. Uh, the State Department says it supported the approval of a possible sale of 165 million dollars worth of ammunition to Ukraine. Anthony Blinken and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin promised Ukraine $322 million in U.S. military aid after meeting with President Zelensky. They also said U.S. diplomats will start returning to the western city of Lviv in the coming week. Russian top diplomat in Washington warns the deli- delivery of more military aid would be like pouring oil on the flames. I'd be careful. Uh Several locations in central and western Ukraine have been hit by Russian shelling, including five railway stations and two towns in the Nesta region, according to local authorities. So you look at the map now that I I haven't looked at this map in about a week. And, you know, you used to see the Russian red, right, um, extend from just east of Odessa, Mikhailov is down there, right? Mykolov is now um, in the hands of Ukrainians because, going on because of an ongoing counteroffensive. And Kyrgyzstan, that fell early, the largest city to fall, um, is still being contested with a counteroffensive going on in the region. So um, we shall see. We shall see. So that's the map. I'll give you a few more headlines. International Criminal Court's chief prosecutor will join a European Union investigations team to probe possible war crimes committed in Ukraine. So that was announced yesterday. Ukraine to send stormer armored vehicles, I'm sorry, Britain to send stormer armored vehicles to Ukraine. What is a Stormer armored vehicle? Hold on. I will tell you. UK. Stormer armored vehicle. Images. It is a... Looks like a Bradley... And what I'm seeing mostly is configured uh, in an anti-aircraft mode. So that's what I'm seeing. Um, from one hour ago, Finland, Sweden to begin NATO applications in May, according to local media reports in both countries. Russia's expulsion of German diplomats not justified, according to Berlin. The Germans are getting beaten, <laughs> are getting beaten because of their energy situation. You have a lot of people beating up on them, and and throughout, as they evolve their positions, and at the end, Germany's going to have to decide which camp it's going to, it's going to lie in. Russian diplomat two hours ago said there's no point in a ceasefire at this moment. Moscow has deployed eight warships near Ukraine's Black Sea coast according to its defense ministry. Um, some advice? Be careful, man. You saw what happened to the Moskva. You saw what happened to the Moskva. Here's from three hours ago. Russia expels 40 German diplomats in a tit-for-tat move. Ukraine's defense ministry said Russia was continuing its attacks in eastern Ukraine, but were being pushed back. Defense Ministry spokesman, I can't say that name, said Russian forces had attempted to break through the defenses of the towns including Rubziny, Proposnya, Maronika, and Adbarkia and were attempting to advance from the towns of Izium towards Barankov and Sloviansk, and were repelled across the board. There is no agreement on what to do with Maripool. So again, a smattering of headlines uh, from Al Jazeera. And again, I, I, I told you that weeks ago, that um, they, by far, very concise, had maps, blah, 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 blah. kind of interesting the canadians have said that they have um they have exported the m triple seven which the marine corps shoots on friday canada said it has provided heavy artillery to ukrainian security forces following up a pledge by prime minister justin trudeau earlier this week to send more artillery weaponry to ukraine in the face of a russian assault in the east Canada has now delivered a number of m 777 howitzers and associated ammunition to Ukrainian forces, and is finalizing contracts for commercial pattern armored vehicles that will send they will send to Ukraine as soon as possible. Defense Ministry said, uh, you know, and here's the problem. You you heard the whole NATO thing. Um, the problem is standardization of am- ammunition. You know, Ukraine, I would say, in the shadow of the Soviet Union military standard Soviet bloc weaponry uh the RPG the AK all that well we don't we don't use that now some NATO members do and you can see that they push weaponry very quickly but now that we're in the follow-on yeah guys you have everything if you want more there's a spare parts issue there's an ammunition ammunition issue Right? And you're gonna pay or we're gonna have to figure this out. So because we're NATO not configured like Russia. So better in the news. And on this uh wow, well, it's nine twenty five on the West Coast. What the hell, McNamara, way to run your suck. Um Yeah. So that is look at the news this morning. And um again back from uh North Dakota, which kind of got piled onto a week of after um, after going to Marine Barracks, Washington. So, so um, it's good to be home. I, I had to say, I got in the, in the mail last week. I got a couple of things that um, uh, are very humbling. A couple of gifts. One um, from Ohio. Ohio man has been a fan for a long time of the show and a, and a great supporter, as well as being a great critic at times. Um, but Ohio Man sent me a a print of the USS Ranger. Yeah, the aircraft carrier that I served on, recovering an A six. And uh and so I, I saw it and he didn't tell me he was gonna send it to me, but I was packing last would have been Wednesday night, getting ready to go. So I got back on Monday, uh, run around and then left on Wednesday night. And then uh so I was home for about a day and a half. And as I'm packing, I see this kind of tube thing, silhouette of it, against the one of the windows that's adjacent, you know, the kind of vertical windows adjacent to the front door. And I see that I'm like, "What's that?" So I I open it. I'm like, "Holy shit!" And uh, it's uh, it's awesome if you like military art, and I do. And then um, a friend of mine who saw me do post traumatic winning down in Granbury, Texas. Um, his name is George Mendoza. George um, put on an event that I spoke at in Granbury, post-traumatic winter. And uh, George become a bit of a blacksmith and a woodworker and sent me a couple things that are very cool. And so that arrived while I was gone. And so, yeah, how about that? So, very humbling. And George sent a very nice note about the way post-traumatic winning has impacted his life and people in his life that have gone through traumatic events and it has changed the way that he interfaces with them. And that's had a huge impact on his life. So, very humbling um, that people would go that far out of their way um, to say thank you. And, uh, yeah, so, not too much makes me shut my yap, but um that's the kind of stuff that so I just want to say thank you uh thank you to them uh for reaching out and uh taking time out of their day to do that stuff so George making stuff for me, yeah, very cool. I should probably put a picture up of it uh anyway on that note if you tuned in late there's there's i would tell you there's a lot of There's a lot of interesting stuff in the news today. And I I think stuff that has big implications for the nation's discourse and this uncivil thing that we're living through now. And I say this a lot, but you know, you have people that have to live through this stuff because they haven't seen it a different way. They have to get their snout rubbed in it. And then you have to rely on grown-ups to do the right thing. And maybe... So, so the media organizations we're talking about in this case are Twitter, that is may announce a buyout by Elon Musk today. So, yeah, that in the news. I was just looking for an update to see if that story relative to Elon Musk has gone, has gone through. And I don't see any update to it, so, anyway, let me do a quick search, Musk, this is going to be really hard. The latest headline from 37 minutes ago is an analysis piece done by the Washington Post. Why does Elon Musk want to buy Twitter? In TED interview shortly after announcing his bid, he expanded on some of his plans. Well, I think it's very important that to be an inclusive arena for, for free speech. Twitter has become a kind of de facto town square. So it's just really important that people have the both the reality and the perception that they're able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. Musk has not said whether he would change the permanent ban on former President Donald Trump, who was kicked off the site in the wake of the January 6th insurrection last year. Critics of Musk's plan have expressed concerns that he would allow extremist content on the site, which Twitter and other social media companies struggle to fully eradicate. Musk acknowledged that during the TED interview, the content moderation is not a clear-cut issue. Quote, Well, I think we would want to err on the, if in doubt, let the, let the speech, let it exist. If it's in a gray area, I would say, let the tweet exist. But obviously, in a case where there's perhaps a lot of controversy, you're not necessarily going to promote that tweet. I'm not saying I have all the answers here. He reiterated that his deal wasn't about making money. Quote, My strong intuitive sense is that having a public platform that is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive is extremely important to the future of civilization. I don't care about the economics at all. Whoa. (laughs) Now, this is interesting because I read a statement not unlike that a little bit ago. And I'll read it again. And it's talking about the future of CNN. At an Oprah Winfrey-based, at an Oprah Winfrey-hosted company meeting on the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank, California, last week, David Zaslav, chief executive and president of evidently Warner Brothers, which is CNN's corporate parent, reportedly said he wanted CNN to focus on the facts and set itself apart from a cable news industry monopolized by advocacy networks. If we get that, we can have a civilized society. That's what Musk was alluding to. And without it, if it all becomes advocacy, we don't have a civilized society. whoa, are you kidding me? Like we're talking like honestly with a sense of altruism that this is what we need to do for the nation? Whoa, like what the hell's going on? Yeah, on that note, I better end this thing, right? Crazy. Like who would have thought? But again, what you're talking, what you're seeing is people with the means, right? To make these things something they heretofore have not been. The question is, can you actually do it? And then can you make that commercially viable? And hopefully somebody can. And again, I believe, and I've said this for years, that if you put you know, quality news people on and they're held to, to reporting the facts and let the American people draw their own conclusion, I think that would be enormously, enormously successful. Because there's a lot of people like me. I'm a conservative. I would like to watch a news channel that has smart people on it, and not be lecturing me all day, or, or you know, not have to watch all the shit about Hunter Biden. Right? I'd like to watch that when it's would say when it's a news story and it breaks squelch, and in my opinion, it has. But again, this problem is that that story's been overlooked, or initially Twitter banned it. Right before the election. So I predicted Joe Biden would never become the president of the United States. The reason he became was the fix was in. Right? They didn't cover him, honestly. He hid in a basement, didn't have to answer for his past sins, and got him elected. So, but again, that aside, I don't want to talk about that. These, these, this discussion about, The New York Times, CNN, and Twitter moving back to the center for some form of altruistic reasons. Musk says, and maybe you don't want to believe him, the economics of this are irrelevant to me. We're talking about the way our civilian relates. Our civilian, our civilization relates. So, to me, fascinating stuff. On that note, I'm Mike McNamara, the Marine Radio. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be back in my studio. And uh, until I hit the road again. So anyway, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow, hopefully with the Mensa Brothers. If I can help you help somebody, do not hesitate. It's what I do. And honestly, it's uh, other than my kids. Um, and the great people in my personal life. Um, it's the best part of my life. The continue interaction with people who live in the valley of the shadow of death. And in post-traumatic winning, they find a path out of that motherfucker, man. And then to be able to, you know, read a text message that says, thank you for changing my life. And you get that on a regular basis. Fuck, man, it doesn't get better than that. So if I can help you do that for somebody, don't fucking hesitate. Right? If you send something to any of the shit on my website it'll get to me trust me so anyway on that note I'm out have a great day stay tomorrow